0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder, and welcome to the show where we dig deeper to understand what really matters most in business. Today, we're going to be talking about the role of technology in the modern buying experience, and I'm pleased to welcome Ali Schwanke, who is the CEO and founder of SimpleStrat. Ali, welcome to Behind the Numbers.
1: Thanks for the invite, glad to be here.
0: Uh, it's a pleasure. Before we jump in, I want to start by talking about your background and, and SimpleStrat. Uh, you know, by all definition, uh, you are a small company. Uh, But yeah, you've uh, managed to achieve some national recognition. Why don't you introduce the audience to yourself and SimpleStrat?
1: Sure. The best way for us to help you is either visit our website, simplestrat.com. We have a lot of free resources there and more information about what we do. And if you happen to be a HubSpot user, our YouTube channel, HubSpot Hacks, over on YouTube has over 130 videos that can get you going and help you learn a little bit more about that platform as well.
0: When you dig deeper into Trust Allie. Uh, besides consistency and we'll call it thought leadership, what are the other components that people look for to really develop a trusting relationship?
1: Sure, well, there is a book called Oversubscribed and all of the book may not speak specifically to trust building, but there is a particular piece that he cites in that book relative to how relationships and humans build connection with one another. And he talks about the 7 11 rule. And the 7 11 rule refers to seven hours 11 different touch points across four different channels. And you can make that what you want. Maybe that's live events, maybe that's email, maybe that's phone. But ultimately, you know, if we think about how we became friends with someone, or if we think about how we become, you know, get to know our spouse, even if we spent a lot of time kind of connecting with them, whether you met at work, or you met in in high school, or you happen to meet in college, those things hold true with most of the relationships that we have in our Lives. And I think the challenge with most of us in our business capacity is we want to microwave that trust and we want customers that are ready to buy today. The number of, of companies that reach out and say, hey, can we use LinkedIn to get more sales meetings? And I said, you can use LinkedIn, you can use email, you can use phone, whatever. But we're building trust over 27 to 41 touch points. That's what the research shows we need from a sales conversation. 27 to 41 touch points. McKinsey and Forrester cite that. That's crazy. That means you're not going to send an email and ultimately get a meeting from that. You may. It may be an accident. But trust involves a lot more time building and relevance. And also, they just have to know that you have the best in mind for them.
0: When you meet with someone, they're going to go back and either Google you or check your LinkedIn profile. And that has to be consistent with who you are so that when you show up, they'll they'll feel like they either already know you or they'll confirm what they've already met. Authenticity and and putting their needs first certainly um, helps to build that trust. But you mentioned 27 to 41 touch points. So beyond video content, um, does written content, articles, that type of thought leadership still work? in this, as you said, microwave kind of environment in a world where, you know, TikTok and YouTube shorts are what really is the attention span of the consumer these days?
1: Yeah, this is a question I love to dig into because we hear so much about, well, attention spans are are short. Nobody has time to read the long articles. Nobody watches long videos. And yet We have demos on YouTube that are 30 minutes long. People watch the whole thing. Some watch just a little bit of it. We have long-form blog posts on our website. There's lots and lots. I mean, beyond our examples, there's many, many companies that are finding that content to be true. The bar for content is much higher than it's ever been before because there's so much... There's there's such a lot of, we'll call it just shallow, mediocre content out there that doesn't, you read it and you go, well, I didn't learn anything. That was a waste of my time. So the reason why we don't have a t- attention span for longer content is usually it's not very good. So people will sit in front of Netflix and binge forever because they know how to hook a story. If you can hook me into your content, long form content still works well.
0: Gotcha. And, and where does artificial intelligence play in the development of this content? Because when you talk about LinkedIn, I, I've noticed it seems like there's a formula, um, having experimented with ChatGPT that there's this formula for what a LinkedIn post looks like if it comes out of AI. I mean, it's, it's riddled with emojis and there's this common theme of language that it seems to use. Um, talk about the use of artificial intelligence in generating content of any kind that will help to generate trust and not, you know, create that suspicion.
1: Sure. There's two ways to look at AI. One is it does all of the work for me, and I think that's not the right way to look at it. The second one is it helps me build the recipe or it helps me, you know, kind of frame the house a little bit. And then I have to go in and do the finishing. And you have to know what to feed into those tools in order for you to create the content. So just kind of back up for a second. The, the content that's working on those platforms, that's working in email, it's working on shows like this is I've been there I've done that and listen to my story because I clearly have experience that can you know, be valuable to you. So the formulas on LinkedIn that are often like, I was doing this, this was a problem, let me tell you how it worked and let me tell you what you should do with this information. So what I would encourage people to do in using AI with um, social media would be, go look first at what your competitors or the fellow people in your industry are posting. You need to look relevant, AI just has a little bit of a formula they follow, you may end up looking like you posted with AI if you don't take relevance into the field. Once you understand that, go identify your own stories that have business value and then take those stories and have ChatGPT maybe help you write those more effectively or present those more effectively if in fact you're not a content creator full-time.
0: Yeah, I mean, that human element is is so important. I mean, you've gotta, I think, take the time to review the output, you can't just hit post when when you generate something like that. Um, Allie, for folks who are watching and listening and want to learn more about you or how they can work with you, what's the best way to get in touch?
1: Sure, the best way for us to help you is either visit our website, simplestrap.com. We have a lot of free resources there and more information about what we do. And if you happen to be a HubSpot user, our YouTube channel, HubSpot Hacks, over on YouTube has over 130 videos that can get you going and help you learn a little bit more about that platform as well.
0: Great. We only have a couple of minutes here to go before we get to the commercial break. So in in about 60 to 90 seconds, Allie, I want to just touch on real quick here uh, other platforms. You mentioned YouTube. We talked a little bit about LinkedIn, but where else do you find that uh, we can reach out to consumers? Where where are they hanging out? What other platforms are, are people being receptive to this content that helps to build the trust?
1: Platforms are going to be very specific to the industry that you're in and I think that's one thing that's a little bit challenging for folks that are not marketers full time is they somewhat want a a recipe of this is the three things you do or these are the five platforms that are working and to be honest, you need to look at where your customers are spending their time. There's a lot of industries that are still now that we're back in person, trade shows, events, You know, in-person things are are driving a lot of of opportunities, but most likely they're going to be in their email. They're going to be on their phone because that's where our lives spend. uh, We spend a lot of our time. But then also you need to look very specifically at at forums and places that your industry would spend time.
0: Gotcha. I think that's a good spot for us to take a quick pause here. So, Ali, you sit tight. Don't go anywhere. You at home watching and listening, don't go anywhere either. We'll be right back on Behind the Numbers after we pay a few bills here.
1: Hi, I'm Angela Pipersberg, and I have a new show here in RVN Television called The Angela Pipersberg Show. And I want you to join me every week as I sit with guests and we discuss their life journeys, share wisdom and tips that will inspire you to live your best life. Don't miss The Angela Pipersberg Show every week here on RVN Television where we're celebrating life and we're inspiring you to greatness.
0: Hi, I'm Dr. Esther Malave, and welcome to my show, Achieving a Better You. Through this show, we're gonna explore ways to make a better version of you. For example, nutrition, finance, fitness, health. Remember that there's always a way of making a better version of yourself, no matter what the circumstances are. And remember to look for achieving a better you show on RVN TV Some
1: say the world has never been thank more divided you. more self-centered oh my gosh thank you so much more uncaring <gasps> thank you oh miss thank you. that we've never been more disconnected but through our windows we're able to see so much good every day. And it's clear that a little kindness is never really little. Did you know that only 8% of people who set their goals, they actually succeed in achieving them? Well, if you wanna be a part of that,
0: And welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking about the use of technology in modern buying experiences here with Ali Schwanke, who is the CEO and founder of SimpleStrat. Ali, welcome back for round two. I want to kick this off by talking about the the evolution of consumer behavior. Um, We're consuming content uh, in different ways than we had previously. The whole buying experience for the consumer, as you alluded to in the car buying world, has evolved differently. Talk a little bit about what is it about today's consumer behavior that is driving the need for these innovative sales strategies.
1: There's two things in particular that are driving a lot of change for us. One is the overwhelm of options. So no longer do you have there's one or two softwares that you can look at or one or two different types of cars or one or two different types of breads for that matter. We are overwhelmed with choices we don't even know sometimes how to make the choice and so what it's driving us to do is actually ask people around us for recommendations more than ever before because we just don't want to sift through the things you know if i tried to find a vacuum i had to watch three videos about vacuums and they all seemed very similar to me and they all have different price points so i just you know text a friend and say hey what do you have do you like it and then i ultimately you know go purchase the other thing that we're finding that is affecting buying behavior is The ability for people to um, go online and and ultimately uh, they're asking people questions but they're asking them in what's called dark social and dark social means i'm texting you i'm direct messaging you i'm asking in places that a company can't see the conversations because of all of the we'll call it woke cultures maybe some of the words that have been used we're afraid of um, backlash on any comments we put on social media So even myself, I posted the other day about looking for a doctor and I said I was having a terrible experience calling the places I called three places got hung up on and ultimately I said, how, why is this so hard? And I said, who do you use? Can I get some recommendations? I had probably five to seven text messages directly that said I didn't want to post this on Facebook because I didn't want anybody to attack me, but hey, here's who we use if you wanted to give them a call. So that's happening. We're having so many more conversations about products and services behind the scenes that companies can't track, and that's ultimately, as a consumer, we feel more comfortable doing that.
0: That's interesting. And you mentioned doctors, so we're talking professional services here. This is not just applicable to a product. So when you think about yep. other service lines, you know, accountants, lawyers, painters, uh, what have you, chiropractors, uh, what, what's your advice out there for folks in in professional services and how they can continue to build trust, where you know, differentiated from a product that people have experience with? Where a lot of the service lines, it's to your point, uh, personal reference and experience.
1: Yeah, this seems like one of those things that's a common accepted practice, but it's so important that it um, it separates you from the rest, and that is the customer experience again if I say that everyone's like oh yeah we have a good experience but it's the little things that the way I describe it to my clients is it's the little things that scream take my picture or the little things that just beg to be talked about at the Thanksgiving dinner table or they are talked about when the girls go out for their wine club whatever that is or if we're on a call like this and you say Ali what's the AI tool that you use I would tell you about this tool we're using because of these really cool things it does a lot of the same stuff as other things, but there's one thing that just really powers it. So if you think about, let's say a doctor, for example, if you go into the office and they have an area where you can actually sit and let's say it's a massage chair while you're waiting, the whole reason people might come to your practice is because you have massage chairs in the lobby. And it's not something relative to patient care, but it, it becomes a talking point or an Instagram post or a TikTok post that then reaches other people.
0: Yeah, I think what you're also alluding to there is it's the experience as as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to get into some numbers here. I know we spend a lot of time behind the numbers. Let's get into some numbers a little bit, because one of the things that I hear regularly is, um, how do you know if marketing is working? You know, what's, what's the ROI? How do we measure that?
1: One of the hardest questions to answer is that question. And the reason is most people don't go into the conversation saying, what do I want my marketing to do? And they just assume that marketing needs to be driving leads and doing awareness, but if you think about goal setting, all of your goals need to be aligned to a very specific strategy, and that strategy needs to be linked to an overall objective. So if you're marketing, uh, and this is all relative to how you go to market, somebody use a professional services business, for example, professional services business, such as a consultant or accounting firm or a software development company, they happen to get most of their business through referrals, and most likely through people that are learning about their services through another person or organization. So in-person events, referrals, And ultimately, that sort of go to market motion is the most important thing for them to track. So they should be tracking number of referrals, they should be tracking overall attendance and leads from trade shows, things like that. Those are the ways that you're going to look at that working. If you're a software company, you're looking at free trials, you're looking at leads generated. So when you want to look at what like is your marketing working, you need to take a step back and say, what does marketing at my company like, what is its function? What should it be doing? and then identify those KPIs in our company. We look at things like YouTube subscribers. We're looking at number of consultations booked. We're looking at referrals. We're looking at overall website traffic. And then we're also looking at uh, you know your, your top line revenue because ultimately sales generated is the, the bottom of the funnel uh, piece that we need.
0: Yeah, and, and throughout all of this, uh, I think ultimately the goal here is, is to construct not just an ad campaign, so to speak, but really it's about building a brand. Is that right?
1: Yeah, brand is gonna be so important today. That is one of the things that will help differentiate you in that massive overwhelm that our customers and, and consumers are feeling. If you can have brand recognition, we only have space in our brain for so much stuff. And so most people have a top three to five list for any category. Brand really is, your goal is to be in those top three to five choices when they get to that problem or aspiration. So if you think about, I would like a luxury watch, we instantly think Rolex. If you think, I would like an electric car, you instantly think Tesla. So that's the goal. And you have to know what category you're in, because that's the the brand play you're looking at when you're looking at your own marketing.
0: Yeah, and one of the um, intangible assets that I value in my day job is brands, trademarks, trade names, things like that. And it's a key component in the overall valuation of a business because today, most businesses are really comprised of intellectual property or intangible assets. Can you speak to that in your experience?
1: Yeah, that's becoming more important than ever before. And especially when you're buying the inherent brand, because there's a lot of companies that are undercapitalized, or they might be, um, they actually don't have sophisticated uh, go to market motions. And so if they have a strong brand, the ability to accelerate that through good systems, more resources, a bigger sales force, you can multiply that effectiveness, you know, very quickly, as opposed to someone that does not have a brand.
0: Yeah, Allie, for folks who want to know more about you, uh, how they can work with you, uh, what's the best way for them to reach out?
1: Yeah, the best way is going to be visiting our website, simplestrat.com. We've got a lot of good resources and some information about us there. And then our YouTube channel, HubSpot Hacks. Just search HubSpot Hacks over on YouTube and you'll find us over 130 videos to choose from there as well.
0: Great, thank you for that. Um, wondering if we can maybe delve into some strategy, uh, some ideas to grow content uh, basically from scratch.
1: hmm Yeah, when you're starting out, content's going to be hard because you're going to look at your competition and you're going to see that they're producing things. There's going to be a a lag for you to catch up. So, anytime I'm looking at content strategy or strategy in general, the pure definition of strategy is looking at patterns, identifying gaps, and then ultimately where you can play. So, when you're looking at the type of content you can create, it's going to come back to what are your resources? What is your time? And ultimately, how are you going to make that into, um, into a, a resource for your, your customers? So like yourself, Dave, you happen to be experienced in being on camera, a show like this makes sense. For someone who has not been on camera, starting a show like this is gonna be a heavy lift and they might not be able to break through the noise uh, of the competition.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it was, uh, it was a long time ago when we did the first episode here. Been at this for five years. and uh, the early days, it uh, was a little bit tricky, I'm not gonna lie.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, that is so true, though. These days, you have to have a tolerance for a long-term investment. And that is one of the biggest mistakes I see a lot of companies making is their tolerance for long-term investment in marketing is not there. They actually they give up right before the turn around the corner, and they never actually see the full-term benefit that they put into the initial investment.
0: Yeah, and one of the ways to think about this, maybe help folks put it in context, is the cost of doing nothing, right? The, the opportunity cost of not being visible. Maybe speak to that, because if you're doing nothing, and, and somebody once told me the last thing you want to be is the, is the, the, the best person in your industry that no one's ever heard of. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I actually wrote an article on LinkedIn called, Are You t- Tired of Being the Best Kept Secret in Your Industry? And that was true. And I think the there's two fears that exist in that. One is, if I give away all of the things that I know, no one's going to hire me. Well, that's just, again, that's not true because the reasons people hire folks these days is they can't do it internally. They don't have the time. It's been in there to do this forever. Or again, they're afraid they're going to screw it up. So they're going to have someone else come in and run that. But then the other thing is they have to be willing to put in the time. And at first it's fun. And there's that curve of you go up and it's fun. And then you go down into the trough of, of despair. And when you're in the trough of despair, it's, it's, terrible and it feels icky but once you start seeing the gains you know we're three years in four years into hubspot hacks it's going to be very difficult to catch us if you're going to start a hubspot tutorials channel
0: is there a general rule of thumb for a tipping point on when folks can expect to see the kind of results you're alluding to
1: yeah i would say we so when we did this we actually had three months in we were we had all these aggressive goals and and i'm a good marketer so i was pretty confident in our skills What I think I didn't realize at the time and what a lot of folks don't realize is if you think through your network and you think through people that have said, I'm going to start a podcast, I'm going to start a YouTube channel, I'm going to start this. Everybody announces they're going to start something. And then about three months later, you're like, are you still doing that? And they say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we we didn't keep going. Everyone's actually waiting for you to give up because that's just common. So we saw at about the six-month mark, we re-optimized all of our videos, and we had some things start to happen for us. So when you reach about the six-month to 12-month mark is when you should start to see things pick up. But yes, it could take up to a year, and that's you know a lot of investment without any guaranteed payout.
0: Yep, got to play the long game. Uh, unfortunately, yep. we're out of time uh, to go very quickly here, Allie, but I can't thank you enough for joining us today on Behind the Numbers.
1: Thank you, my pleasure.
0: Awesome. And thank you at home for watching and listening. We've been talking about the role of technology in the modern buying experience with Ali Schwanke, who is the CEO and founder of SimpleStrat. My name is Dave Bookbinder, and I'm known for helping my clients and valuing their businesses and intellectual property assets. Uh, Definitely feel free to reach out to me. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to have a conversation. Uh, Thanks to Lori for working the board today and making the show go smoothly. Props to you. And uh, thank you again at home for watching and listening. We can't do the show without you. We will see you uh, next time on Behind the Numbers. Take care, everybody.